Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is our Group of Five deep dive, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Calabrese, joined as always by Mike Ionello. We're going to really get into the nitty-gritty because this G5 slate was a little difficult to pick from this week. A lot of FCS matchups, but luckily we left no stone unturned. So that means we both are going to have best bets. We're going to hit you up with our round-robin G5 high five, giving you five picks to put together in any way, shape, or form you see fit. And then, of course, our underdog money line parlay to end the episode. But it wouldn't be a group of five deep dive without our G5 Heroes of the Week. So I'll start with you, Ionello. Who earns the, the Medal of Honor, the distinction of honor for week one at the group of five level? I mean, I feel like this is obvious and I we haven't discussed it. I hope we have the same one. I went, I went sarcastic with my pick last week. I'll go genuine this week. It has to be TJ Finley, right? I mean, you were hyping up Malik Hornsby all offseason. I believe I announced him as the starter on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I guess my sources were wrong. But he absolutely balled out. They beat Baylor 42-31. to 31. You called it on the over. You were on that early in the summer. That obviously hit easily. But I certainly don't think you thought it would hit this way. You know, he, 298 yards, three touchdowns passing, added a touchdown rushing. He had seven completions of 20 yards or more, just slinging it down the field. So, TJ Finley, welcome to the G5. You are officially my G5 Hero of the Week. Also, shout out to Joey Hobart, their wide receiver, transferred from Wazoo to Utah Tech, which was formerly Dixie State. I mean, it's all made up fantasy lands and college names there in Utah. But he comes in, immediately looks like their number one wide receiver, which gives 
even more of a ceiling to Ashton Hawkins, their slot receiver. So in terms of their skill positions, I was always bullish on it. The offensive line actually looked good against a power five opponent. So it's going to be really interesting to see that Texas State offense. And if they can make a real run at it in the Sun Belt, maybe get to bowl eligibility. This is like one of those swing games that changes their entire complexion of their season in one game. I'll go quick on my G5 hero. If you watch Scott Van Pelt's late night bad beats, this was featured prominently Jaquez Donut Evans, the DN for Western Kentucky. To give you the cliff notes on this one, the Hilltoppers were up 34-24 in the final minutes. Looked like they were not going to cover that two-touchdown spread. Here comes Donut off the edge, sacks the quarterback basically face-to-face, and just rips the ball out of his hands all in one motion, runs in for a 27-yard touchdown, and the toppers end up covering that one. So Donut, for anyone there who is, you know, <laughs> tailing the uh, the Hilltoppers you needed something special to happen. You gave it to them. And in a game where Malachi Corley, you know, fingers crossed that he's healthy, you just figured that they were going to ball out and throw it all over USF. But he gets hurt in that game, actually got carted off. So we're going to wait to see his status here moving forward. And uh, but, uh, Math- Matheson's, in a- Matheson's on crutches. Yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. I mean, Dalvin Smith, I know, is still there in the receiving core, but how can they piece this together moving forward? Something to monitor with the Hilltoppers. But Jaquez Donut Evans, my G5 Hero of the Week. That's the thing with the G5 Hero of the Week, by the way. Is for every bad beat, it was a hell of a win for somebody. Absolutely. That's a nice donut. All right, let's hop into our best bets. I'll give you first crack at it here in Week 2. Yeah, so I'm for my best bet of the week, I'm going with Florida Atlantic. Minus four and a half, minus five. I honestly like it at either spot. Ohio is really struggling without Curtis Rourke. And it's weird. Like they said they held him out for a precaution against San Diego State, but then he wasn't even on the sideline at the end of the game. Then Alvin said he was on track to play last week, didn't play. Now he's saying he's on track to play this week, but he said that last week. I don't really know. He didn't play against Long Island. They didn't look good. CJ Harris and Parker Navarro both played. They played the same amount of snaps. C.J. Harris has looked really bad this year. Navarro didn't look great either. And and neither is Rourke. Neither of them are Curtis Rourke. And I'll be honest with you, I like this play even with... If Rourke plays, I still like it. And if Rourke plays, I think it drops. And if you can get it for three... If we get a three, oh, I still like it. The other thing is, Sam Wiggles didn't play. Jacoby Jones didn't play. Maybe both was a precaution. Either way, I like the Owls. Uh, Ohio put up just 27 points on Long Island. They had zero explosive plays. FAU rolled Monmouth 42-20. It was like 42-14 to after three quarters. They totally called off the dogs. And Casey Thompson looked exactly as I hoped he would. 20-25, 280 yards, five touchdowns. The Owls had 10.7 yards per drop back. McCammon had 125 yards and a touchdown. Kobe Lewis is expected back this week. Gives them a two-headed monster there. FAU just has a ton of talent. Their team I was high in before the season. You know, uh, LeJonte Wester, Jaywan Burton, Tony Johnson, all of who, whom scored a touchdown last week. And Ohio is essentially a three-man team with Rourke, Bangura, and Wigless, and two of them are hurt. So FAU has experience on defense. Their entire secondary is back. And I, I love what I saw from Thompson in week one. Kind of answered any questions I had. There's a lot of questions about Ohio. So I really like the Owls here. Yeah, I think this is absolutely the right play. I think this is the market, and this is like one of the last opportunities to get a team like FAU, who I think is going to be in the mix in the AAC this year to win a conference crown. Everyone is evaluating them, at least in the casual square market, on the team they were last year. That doesn't matter. 
They are absolutely loaded from the transfer portal. McCammon being as effective as he was in game one was a great sign. I'm a believer in Tom Herman. And as you pointed out, it's like you take the FAU skill position players and then you take the Ohio skill position players and look apples to apples. If either of them, you know, whether it's Rourke or Wiggs is hurt, then this is a runaway in my opinion. But even if they gut it out, I mean, you know, the their wide receiver is in a boot. You know, Rourke's not on the sideline. Uh, they're being cagey about it in the media. Like, I don't think this is a good sign at all for an Ohio team that, you know, laid an egg. I understand that there was, you know, injury issues on the road against San Diego State. But that should have been a situation where their backup quarterback comes in with a ton of experience and just, like, picks it up and they go. They did not respond. So I think this is an opportunity and maybe the last one of this month to get FAU at a good number. So I really like that for your top play of week two. All right. It didn't take long for me to get involved with a little Trent Dilfer football. My best bet, UAB, traveling to Statesboro. It's under that key number of a touchdown. Give me Georgia Southern, laying six and a half. And I'm going to walk you through a new tradition in the Calabrese household. Get myself a nice little lunch. I fire up YouTube on the TV, and I watch Trent Dilfer's presser. Now, this is difficult for me to say, but the first thing right off the bat is that he's such a chatty Kathy that he can't help but reveal things that most coaches play close to the vest, that they, you know, the conversations he's having with his position coaches, with his coordinators, what they're looking at on film study. And because of that, some interesting things came out that just basically cemented my instincts on this. Number one, they played North Carolina A&T. They're rated 191st in the Sagarin rankings. I think that's a little bit generous. Deep in the third quarter in that game, it was 21-3. So he mentioned that, you know, they weren't executing as well as they wanted to early in the game. Their lines took a little bit of time to to settle in. They end up scoring on an 11-play, 98-yard drive in garbage time to cover that game, which just, you know, confirms for me. Throwing the ball the whole drive. Throwing the ball the whole drive. Cementing for me that Trent Dilfer is a son of a bitch. But at least we know that he was not feeling comfortable with their performance, so he needed to see more. But the big piece of information that he let slip is that he wants to look at the tape, and he wants to look at Georgia Southern. New defensive coordinator, we mentioned it during the, the Sun Belt preview. Brandon Bailey comes in from Buffalo. Buffalo led the nation in Havoc plays last year. So it would be really helpful if they had game tape to figure out where the pressure is going to come from, what some of their exotic packages look like. They played the Citadel, who essentially runs the triple option, so it's totally useless. That was the word that Dilfer used. So it's like they don't even have tape. They just go ahead and throw that out. And then for the team he played, playing North Carolina a and they don't pass at all. They threw eight times in the entire game. Now here comes the Air Raid and the Eagles. Georgia Southern threw it 40 times in the opener. Davis Brin, I know we give him a hard time on the pod, but he hit 75% of his pass attempts. They got great receivers in Burgess Jr. and Hood. Jalen White looks great. This, to me, is a number that should be over 10. So to get it below the key number of seven is amazing, but Dilfer couldn't let the press conference go without giving me you know, a, a bit of a gift. Number one, one of the <laughs> press members there in Birmingham goes, yeah, he went 38 for 42, Jacob Zeno, but a lot of them were dump offs and passes under five yards in terms of air distance. And they were just, you know, easy, you know, safety routes to kind of drop off on. And what did Dilfer say? He goes, well, you know, you're criticizing Zeno, but well, the GOAT, and he was referring to Tom Brady, made his whole career out of that. And we never criticized him. And then he made sure to reference Drew Brees, Steve Young and Joe Montana in the West Coast offense. So no pressure, Jacob Zeno. But for my money, the best part of the whole thing was he was talking about how surgical his, his you know quarterbacks are just, they're doctors on the field. And he made a connection between using machete to make a pastrami sandwich and being a surgeon to save someone's life. The analogy I give all the time is, you know, a, mach- a machete and a, and a scalpel are two weapons, right? They're both sharp instruments. 
Um, one, a butcher makes you a pastrami sandwich, right? One, the scalpel, a doctor saves your life. It's much more surgical. Uh, that that's the way we expect our quarterbacks to play. Trent Dilfer, it is going to be my distinct pleasure when Georgia Southern beats the brakes off of you. Gata, get after their asses. This is a team that at home, since coming up to the FBS level, has been 32 and 20 against the spread. Love Georgia Southern in spots like this. They're even better as a home favorite, 19 and 11, the seventh best figure in the entire country since 2014. So let's go Gata. Let's get them. What do you think? I have a question. I don't I don't want to pile on the UAB hate. I know that's kind of been your throne. Did they get new uniforms? Because I was watching the highlights and that was all I could think of. Their uniforms are so ugly. I don't yes, know if I just they, like they have a whole new suite of uniforms that I'm sure Trent's got his fingerprints all over. Just so they are new. Because I was watching, I was like, have I never noticed how ugly their uniforms are before? I don't know if it was just the deal for hate was making me think they were ugly. So they are new. So I'm not just like going crazy. I mean, he's essentially the personality of a TV evangelist. So, he, so like, ugly. he wants to dress gaudy. He wants to look ridiculous. And now he has a football team to match it. So <laughs> I can't wait for them to go into Statesboro and get pushed around. And, you know, he even took shots on. It was a bit subtle. But for me, listening very closely, our quarterback quarterbacks are accurate. Their quarterbacks throw the ball 30, down, 30 yards down the field and their receivers adjust to it to make it look accurate. Davis, Sounds smart. David Grin, baby, just tear this defense up. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Let's get into our G5 high five. That's our round robin here in week two. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five. We're going to go ahead and give you five picks. Put them together any way that you want to. When I do a round robin, I usually do by twos. So that means it creates a series of two leg parlays. You end up hitting, you know, two of the five, close to breaking even. Three out of five, you're making money. Anything above that, you're crushing it. So let me get started with a team that's my co-host mentioned at the very top. Texas State playing UTSA. I had a number written down for their total. It was 70. It is currently 63 and a half. That is not high enough for two teams that are going to play with tempo that have very good G5 quarterbacks. TJ Finley, the much maligned TJ Finley, at least in the preseason <laughs> on this pod, as you mentioned, shredded a Power 5 team. Dave Aranda coached defense. 441 total yards, 10 yards per attempt. So it's not a dink and dunk Trent Dilford defense or offense, I should say. Receiving core looked great. And the defense caught a break when Shapin got hurt. And I think that's what's so interesting about this total is that he was absolutely cooking them. He was 21 for 31 for 303 and two TDs. If he doesn't get hurt, maybe Baylor comes back and makes that a game in the fourth quarter. So this pass defense from Texas State up against UTSA coming off of Frank Harris's worst game in what? three years. I think it's a perfect bounce back opportunity at home in the Alamo Dome on the, the fast carpet there. I think it's going to be big plays left and right. I'm hoping that DeCorian Clark plays. It was clear that they missed him in the receiving core. But the thing about it is on one side, you had all the points that were scored in Texas State Baylor. On the other side, you had UTSA Houston 17-14. People would say, all right, this offense is broken and the UTSD defense is better. I'll bring up the fact that this was a Doug Belk defense for Houston. He's a million-dollar coordinator for a reason. Texas State doesn't have anywhere near the overall talent or the scheme, I think, to slow down this offense. And even in a really bad game in terms of overall scoring production, Kavorian Barnes went for over 100 yards. They rushed for over 200 as a team on six yards per carry. I think the Roadrunners, hashtag meet me, going to go up and down the field in this game. And I see this below and past 63 and a half. I play it up to 67. Meep, What are your thoughts here at the Alamo Dome? Yeah, I don't know at all. Like I said, you know, I, I got to go back and rewatch that Texas State game. I had like kind of eyes on it, but not not as much as I would like. Um, but yeah, I mean, their offense, you know, I don't want to 
get too far ahead of ourselves, but you know, it has a little bit of the Zach Kitley, Western Kentucky come up in the offense just is a totally different animal. And it takes a while to adjust to like, this isn't, you know, the Spavital Texas state teams anymore. So I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah. Hopefully Clark plays. I think last I saw he's game time decision again, which always scares me, but we'll see. Um, for my first pick, I'm going with the team. We were both another team. We were both high on the preseason. I'm kind of sticking with my preseason thoughts. I'm taking Marshall minus three against East Carolina. We are Marshall. Yes, Marshall didn't look great against Albany. They won just 21 to 17. But there was one stat line that mattered to me: Rasheen Ali, 18 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns. He's back. He is the Rasheen Ali we know and love. Final score is a bit misleading in this one as well. Marshall gained them 413 to 300. They had a 51 success rate on offense. They went one for 10 on third down. I mean, how likely is that to continue? They also had a turnover on downs and a blocked field goal in the red zone. They moved the ball fine. Fancher looked fine, but if Ollie's going to look like that all season, our win total is going to be in pretty good shape. Their defense was dominant against the run last year. Owen Porter showed out in this first game. 12 tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack last week. He's a monster. It's hard to put much stock in East Carolina's game against Michigan. But, you know, even though Michigan was playing with heavy hearts due to Jim Harbaugh suddenly passing away, RIP, Jim, put your fours up. Uh, J.J. McCarthy has 70% success rate throwing the ball. Blake Quorum averaged eight yards per carry. Like, Michigan did whatever they wanted. Again, RIP, Jim. Uh, ECU rotated Mason Garcia and Alex Finn. Neither looked good at all. This We talked about it in the offseason. This team has just lost so much. Obviously, Holton Ehlers is the most notable. And it's clear they have they don't have an answer to replace him. I don't think either of these guys are good. So while I'm not totally basing much on week one, if you asked me before the season, I would have said Marshall's probably six to seven points better than ECU. So week one didn't change much for me. So line three points, that's it. Give me the thundering herd in this one. Mike Houston using timeouts down the stretch to get a field goal in to not get shut out in Ann Arbor. They did cover. I I had ECU. They did cover. It it was (laughs) emblematic of really the entire week one. There were so many meaningless scores in the final minutes that screwed totals that, you know, swung games in terms of point spread. Penn State, I was on that. Didn't deserve doing that one. But, hey, you know, James Franklin wants to be a big boy head coach. He wants to not just be good. He wants to cover spreads. First of all. Great. At least, at least we were running it, and you had to get you had to get big big Bo some airtime. Also, at West Virginia, did that dumbass ring around the rosy two point conversion. You're not the freaking two time Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. You're freaking West Virginia, and you're down twenty. That was they deserved it after that clown show. All right, flipping Sorry. back to G five land, but we'll stay with a Big Ten tint to it. Can you believe that UTEP is favored on the road? A UTEP team that has never beaten uh, – actually, they, they have been a, a Power 5 program when Lyndon Johnson was the president. It has been that long since the Miners have beaten a Power 5 program. Wait, real quick, I'm so happy you're taking this because I had it written down and I, I crossed it off because I thought it was too gross and I was going to bring it up at the end of the podcast and just be like, is it too gross to bet on Northwestern? So I'm so glad you're doing it. Go for it. All right. I mean, picks up minor nation, play all the sound clips. Like I'm excited to get back to a team that I'd played, you know, faded in, in the first game against Jacksonville state. They didn't look so great against incarnate word, but in the second half they poured it on, they were in for 329 yards. And this was a UTEP team that I thought they had, uh, you know, what's called a top 15 G five offensive line. They finally got back to their identity. Deion Hankins, 174 yards on the ground over six and a half yards per carry. 
the defense picked, you know, picked apart really, I guess in the first six quarters, we'll call it second half shutout against incarnate word. Now comes the vaunted Northwestern offense. Like talk about a team that is collapsing in on itself, like a, you know, a dying star Northwestern's two quarterbacks averaged 4.7 yards per attempt and 3.3 yards per attempt. They finished with 12 rushing yards against Rutgers. This offense is dead as a doornail. I see UTEP winning in a very sexy, we'll call it 20 to 13 kind of game. Don't mind laying the point. I'll play it up to three. Let's go, UTEP. Minor mother effing Mason. That is not where I thought you were going. I was gonna say I have to bet Northwestern. I don't. I think UTEP stinks, and you're getting you're giving me a Big Ten school as a home dog against. I got, a, listen, I got a veteran quarterback. I you, you can't disagree with me that okay, Ben Bryant, Ben Bryant's a veteran quarterback. They have a very good G five offensive line. And they have very good running back, and we know Bradley Dale Pavito. How I feel about him, he's gonna cook up a game plan. I think I could cook up a game plan to slow down this Northwestern offense. It's broken. They have no quarterback, and they can't run the ball. So like. I don't see how Northwestern scores more than three touchdowns in this game. And the way they looked against Rutgers, like this is a team, I think, just on the verge of putting up the white flag already coming off a one in 11 season. So, yeah, I'd ask you team. If I had asked you last year when he was at Cincinnati, who's a better quarterback, Ben Bryant or Gavin Hardison, what would you have said? I probably I still think Bryant's better than Hardison. I probably would have said Ben Bryant, but like. What I know about Gavin Hardison is that he's going to take some deep shots to Tyron Smith in this game, and at least gives me some vision into what the game's going to look like. They're going to run the ball effectively. I think they'll run for over 100, we'll call it 150 yards. And then is he going to hit one or two deep shots? And that's the entire game. I mean, listen, I was on the right side of the Jacksonville State game. I probably should have lost that. You know, they had a touchdown that was reversed on a deep ball that was beautiful from Hardison, and it just nicked the turf. So it's like that game swings right there. And how differently do we feel about UTEP if they're 2-0 and and not 1-1 and coming into the spot? But I like to disagree, embrace debate. <laughs> let's let's get on to your next pick here in the G555. All right. I have a question for you. You do power ratings, right? Yes. All right. If you can pull them up quick, where do you have San Diego State and Coastal Carolina power rated? Last time I looked, I had them in my 70s. So I have San Diego State 77th and Coastal 79th. So same neighborhood. So about the same, but you, you, you do actually have San Diego State higher. Yes. All right, because I wouldn't. So if we played UCLA minus 14 and a half against Coastal, I'm certainly playing a minus 13 and a half against San Diego State. Uh, for starters, we mentioned it. I mentioned it last week. You did too. That little QB experiment better freaking be over or Chip Kelly is going to have some problems Dante Moore is so clearly the better quarterback he averaged 11 yards per play outside of you know one mistake he looked every bit of five-star talent I expect him to start I expect him to play this whole game and I expect him to dominate Carson Steele and TJ Harden both ran the ball really well and this UCLA defense forced Grayson McCall into maybe the worst game I've ever seen him play he has thrown eight interceptions in three years and he threw two last week against the Bruins he looked uncomfortable the whole game. The one thing we were pretty sure Coastal would do well was run the ball. They had 56 rushing yards. They had 1.6 yards per carry. That's all San Diego State wants to do. And San Diego State managed just 20 points on Ohio, who we just mentioned, you know, they lost Rourke in the first quarter. And they did that with, with just three. They had three interceptions and managed just 20 points. Jalen Maiden stinks. 
He had a grand total of 87 passing yards against Idaho State. He is not a good quarterback. Yes, he was able to run the ball all over the Bengals, but he's not going to do that against UCLA. Meanwhile, Idaho State threw for over 300 yards against San Diego State's defense. I'm not a big FCS guy, so unless Idaho State is some you know crazy passing attack, I think Dante Moore is going to shred this defense. And I know this is, this game is on the road instead of home, but UCLA might have a bigger home field advantage in San Diego State than they do at the Rose Bowl, so I'm certainly not worried about that. I, the one concern is Chip Kelly is a buffoon, and he does mess around in non-con games. And I, yeah, I made the same mistake with Luke Fickle last week, and it burned me. If Chip Kelly could just like get the flu before the game and not show up and just let Dante Moore coach and shred this defense, I think the Bruins crush them. Because like I said, I think Coastal is much better than San Diego State. And maybe I'm always lower on San Diego State than the market. But getting under two touchdowns, with what we saw from Dante Moore, if he plays all game, they win this handily. So give me UCLA minus 13 and a half. It's pretty simple for me. I'm just going to wait right until kickoff. If they confirm that Dante Moore starting, I would play this all the way up to 20. I, I, yes, I think the, the, offense, the offense will absolutely run up and down the field with him. If it's anything less than them, you know, showing him in the little telecast bubble and, sh- and saying starting quarterback, playing four quarters, let's do it. If it's anything less than that, it's a pass for me. It's that simple because if okay, I see Conley or Garbers, absolutely not. If it's anything less than that, I'm on a plane to fight Chip <laughs> Kelly. And my wife will join me because as an Eagles fan, she hates Chip Kelly more than just about anyone on the planet. So she'll definitely join me in that one. All right, let's wrap up this uh, G5 high five with – Another Arkansas State play. Worked out pretty well for me in week one. Oklahoma won 73-0. And Butch Jones. Butch, 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 Butch. Say it again. Say say your line. Butch, don't kill my vibe. You know what? You know, (laughs) it seemed like his vibe was killed there in Norman because he almost burst into tears multiple times and the camera was on him and they're down 73-0. And here's the thing. I, I pull no punches. I hate Trent Dilfer. I wish him ill. I don't want him to succeed. I want him to be fired this year. But Butch Jones, I mean, like, I think college football is a better, funnier place with Butch Jones in it. Like, the guy who created the turnover trash can in Knoxville, Tennessee, like, don't take him away from me. I mean, you're probably going to take him away from me. He's going to get fired. But just in general, I'm not wishing ill on him. But when you look at the team that he's put together, JT Shroud completed less than 50% of his passes. But this defense, man, oh, my God. They gave up 36 first downs? Oklahoma was 11 for 14 on third down. And also, just to, you know, the cherry on top, any opportunity they had to get off the field, they had 14 penalties for 111 yards, and their best player by far, can you name their best player? You know, pop quiz, hot shot. Who is the best player in Arkansas State? It's their receiver. What's his face? Uh, Are you on with, with Rucker? That would be a, a pretty yeah, solid yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah, Rucker. Ruck, yeah. I, I would argue it's Dominic Zavada, their place kicker, went 17 <laughs> last year. He even went 0 for 2, bricking makeable field goals. So, Arkansas State has just plummeted in the sagging ratings. They're below Central Arkansas and 18 other FCS schools. So, yeah, I mean, here comes Memphis. They're laying 21 in this game. Memphis is well-balanced. Seth Hennigan has started 25 games. Like, I felt like just yesterday he was a true freshman thrown into the fire. He looked great in the opener, 75% completions, almost 10 yards per attempt, two touchdowns. They ran it really well. The Sutton Smith kid came out of nowhere. Pairs up with Old Dominion transfer Blake Watson. The D-line for me was the biggest question for Memphis. They had some transfers come in, Josh Ellison and Kaviante Spears, both over 300 pounds. They absolutely helped shore up their run defense. So when I look at Arkansas State having watched that full Oklahoma game, yes, the Oklahoma defense is a step above talent-wise than Memphis, 
But, you know, that was a 73-0 game. So I'm going to say Arkansas State scores 17 here and Memphis scores 49. I'll lay the 21. You can do the math for me. You are now the official math <laughs> correspondent here on the pod, but I think that's a cover. What do you think about this one? One of my favorite stats I've ever seen. The stat never really matters, but I like, I like looking at it just in case. Um, for those of you who don't know, available yards is like if you start the ball at the 20-yard line, for that drive, you have 80 available yards. If you start at the 50, you have 50 available yards. Whatever yards you it's possible to get up to score. Oklahoma picked up 95% of all available yards in that game. I don't think I've ever seen a number that high. That means they scored on every like five yards was all they could have gotten. And and Arkansas State managed to stop them for five yards total all game. It's stunning. Also, and two seconds side rank, we're talking about Dante Moore. Is Jackson Arnold going to take that starting job? Because he is nasty. He might end up Oklahoma's starting quarterback. He's He's got the goods. He might take a job this year. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. 
All right, we are now into our underdog Moneyline Parlay here in week two. We're going to put together two underdogs, try to get a juicy number for you, putting it together. Last week, I was feeling pretty good, pretty smug even at halftime with Akron up 21 to 10. They actually led 21-7 in that game and just couldn't get together offensively in the second half. They lose 24-21 to Temple. That was painful. Uh, I'll get it started here with my pick because it, it's a short explanation. There really wasn't in G5 lands coming into a week two game, more of a disparity between Boise getting absolutely boat raced on the road in Seattle against Washington. They couldn't stop the pass at all. And then UCF in their debut as a Big 12 team beating the brakes off of Kent State. They won, I think, by 50, 56, 6, something like that. They won by exactly 50. Yep. Now they're traveling 2,600 miles to Boise. And this is a team that doesn't like to travel. Last year, they left the state of Florida just four times, including the bowl game. Two of those games, John Rice Plumley did not play well. If you remember, the 34-13 loss to ECU, Plumley threw three picks, and they got blown out by Duke in the military bowl. They absolutely no-showed that one. And that's kind of emblematic of the way Plumley plays. I think either Boise's going to win this one outright, or we're going to see the golden arm, the golden child, Plumley just blow up and have a huge game. Because when you look at his games last year, he had five games with QBRs north of 90, but he also had six games with sub 40 QBRs. So he, you know, they sink and swim or swim with him at quarterback. And Gus Malzahn, here's another tidbit that I really like. As a head coach on the road against the spread dating back to 2018 at Auburn, he's 10 and 14 against the spread. I don't think he's a great road coach. And when I look at what Plumley does, he's going to run. The Boise defense, for as bad as it was against the Huskies, they got picked apart. I think they gave up 450 through the air to Penix Jr. But they held the Huskies to 78 rushing yards, only 4.1 yards per carry. So if I'm taking anything out of that and saying, listen, that game got away from them. They're not playing the same kind of caliber team in UCF. Washington's clearly a top 10 team. They got a Heisman caliber quarterback. The big question here, and this is what I'm going to pose to you, Taylor Green. Colin Wilson, he warned us in the offseason. Yeah, that scares me. The OC was like, listen, I am not going to run this quarterback. Well, he better pull his head out of his ass and start running this quarterback. Because according to Avalos, the head coach, they ran 10 read type of plays for him there in week one in Washington. The DNs just stood at the line of scrimmage and said, feel free, hand the ball off to the running back. We're not going to let you get to the edge. So do they let him run a little bit and make some things happen? Because he did have some decent throws. The offensive line actually protected him pretty well. I was more worried in that game about the edge rushers from Washington. Didn't seem to give him a ton of problems because they did a lot of rollouts and you know deep dropbacks. They also averaged 4.9 yards per carry. So the Boise offensive line, it's encouraging. This is a play calling situation to me. But I'm going to take a gamble on the week one being you know that recency bias where the market has UCF far ahead of Boise. I think it's a tough road trip, and I think playing on the Smurf turf is always difficult. So I'll take the Broncos on the money line. Yeah, I don't, I don't totally hate it. You know, full disclosure, I I already bet UCF minus two. Um, I think it's moved over field goal now, but I don't. I still don't hate the money line play, just given what, everything you said with the variance of Plumley and like you said, like UCF should either win easily or they'll lose. And you mentioned the tailing green thing, which is kind of what scares me is me and Colin had had that little debate and he was right. You know, he's, he's throwing the ball a lot more, which I don't love, but maybe they realize, all right, that didn't work. You know, let the kid run and it, it does work. So I think this game has variance and upside. Like I said, I am on UCF uh, for what it's worth, but I don't hate, I think it has more variance than a typical game. So I don't hate the money line. Look, I wouldn't play Boise. I wouldn't play Boise with the points. I would either right. take Boise money line or don't play this game or, you know, or take UCF. So 
I don't hate it. Uh, uh, for mine, I'm pairing it with another plus 130 play. Give me UConn. Give me the Huskies against Georgia State. Look, I really liked what I saw from Joey Fagnano. Early in this game, his numbers weren't great in the end, but I watched every snap of this game, and he looked very comfortable in this offense. He's a lot more mobile than I thought he was. You know, he doesn't have the rushing upside of a Roberson, but he's a much more polished passer, which, if you watch his team last year, is exactly what they need. They don't need a runner. They already have Victor Rosa and Devontae Houston to carry the rushing attack. Rosa had 99 yards and two touchdowns on just nine carries against NC State. I expect their defense to be much better than Georgia State's. And this defense was able to hold the Wolfpack to 24 points. Brennan Armstrong had just 155 yards passing. NC State had one explosive play the entire game. Meanwhile, Georgia State just allowed over 400 yards passing to Rhode Island last week in a 42-35 shootout. Uh, Marcus Carroll was dominant for the Panthers. He had 184 yards, three touchdowns. I expect UConn to do a much better job containing him. You know, UConn did struggle to contain Armstrong leave of the pocket, which kind of, you know, Granger might have a good game with his legs. But the NC State running backs managed just 113 yards on 27 carries. So they were able to bottle them up. So I think they'll contain Carroll. If Granger can beat him, beat them by his legs on his own, good for him. But, you know, like I said, I don't watch enough FCS football. So maybe Rhode Island is just some juggernaut. But giving up over 400 yards to an FCS team, a colonial team that went 7-4 last year, They had 7.3 yards per play against Georgia State. Like I said, I think Fignano gives this offense a different side that we didn't see last year. They have this upside, this passing attack now. And I think his defense still looked good enough keeping the Wolfpack in check. I think think they handled Georgia State. So give me the uh, Huskies. I think they win this game. I like when you got into the weeds with Carroll's big game. And I think that's the key here. They have to absolutely bottle him up and do a better job containing Granger than they did, you know, NC State and... You know, Brennan Armstrong. So I, I'm with you. I If I were to play it, I would play UConn Moneyline. I think that's where the value lies. So hopefully we can pair these two up and you know pay out north of four to one and get into the winning column here. All right. Any picks? we got a little bit of time left here in the show. A quick reminder to our audience that uh, the full weekly preview, that's FBS, G5, P5, everything under the sun with Colin and Stucky will drop later this week. So be sure to be updating your podcast feeds to get that as soon as they give out their picks. They had a very nice week one. They're a great tandem to follow as well as BBOC live show on Saturdays. They also put in, you know, some content from Brett McMurphy here, the latest on realignment, some of his picks also throughout, throughout my best G5 pick of the week. So if you could give us a subscribe, Tell a friend, tell an enemy. That's how we do it here at BBOC. We'd appreciate it. And a reminder that our show is presented by BetMGM. Real quick, I know it wasn't the most robust G5 slate, but was there anything on the cutting room floor for you here in week two? You mentioned, I mean, you answered it. I was going to ask, is it too gross to bet Northwestern? I still might have to do it. Just, I don't know. We'll see. I might have to just get get gross with it and, and bet Northwestern as a home dog. The only other one I, I kind of considered was North Carolina. Minus 17, 17 and a half against App State. I think the Tar Heels look really good against South Carolina. App State's quarterback got hurt in that one. Ryan Berger got hurt. Uh, Aguilar came in. He looked pretty good, but there's a reason he didn't win the job. And I just think that game was so weird last year, so back and forth. Remember that was the game that was like, what was the final in that game? It was like 60-something. They had like 45 points in the last in the fourth quarter. I think North Carolina, even though they won, was embarrassed by that game. And I think they, I think there's a chance they step on App State's throat here. So I did think about that one, but really nothing else except the Northwestern, but I thought it was too gross to bring up on the show. Hopefully that's in Stucky's trash section. 
Uh, for a trash game that I circled that I'm probably going to end up playing because the line movement's been pretty significant, I had it power rated at 28, and it's Florida State playing Southern Miss. It's up to 31. I mean, if there ever was a letdown game on a short week, everybody patting you on the back. You're going to the playoff. You're winning the national title. Jordan Travis, give him the Heisman. Up against a Southern Miss team that the whole offseason we talked about, do they have a quarterback? They have- yeah, they do. They have improved quarterback play. They still got Frank Gore Jr. They got the nasty boy defense. Like 31 seems like a lot to me. So a situational play, I'll throw that in the pod as well. Um, I also, I our rankings were calling for a four touchdown spread. I totally forgot Rodriguez Clark transferred to Southern Miss, the old Memphis running back, yeah. which is huge because we've seen, I mean, Frank Gore has to have more touches than any player in the country in the last like three years. So given, I mean, Gore still had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown, but just in, just you know what Clark had nine carries like just getting Gore off the field nine times I think it's gonna be big for Gore's production so and I agree with you yeah uh, Billy Wallace looked awesome so I, yeah. they 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 got a quarterback I don't hate it yeah so situational play Florida State obviously want to get into their two deep you know three deep try to get some people some experience they got bigger games on the horizon you know in September taking on Clemson so it is my favorite the letdown look ahead to future games and you know maybe win this game by. Let's call it 24, 28, and not end up covering. All right, for Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the BBOC banner. A reminder to listen into Colin and Stuck's full preview coming out later this week and to catch us over at YouTube for the BBOC full Saturday show that is live, is streamed. It's all over social media. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, share. And also a reminder to send us some reviews. I did notice on the Apple reviews that we threw out uh, one here. Bob Coop 22, the G5 Goats, the real Mike and Mike are the only guys I listen to when it comes to the G5. Let's have a season, boys. You know what? Contact me. Uh, you can hit me up over at uh, Twitter. That's at East Breeze, and I'll place a $10 parlay of your choosing because you're a real one, Bob Coop 22. Appreciate it. Please send us as many reviews, five stars only, as you can. Have a great Saturday, and hopefully you end the week in the black. Take care. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.